When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. This is our match preview. It's Newcastle versus Southampton on Saturday. Southampton coming into this game, of course, on the back of that 9-0 defeat to Manchester United. I'm joined by Southampton writer Tom Leach as we discuss that game, what to expect, the impact and much, much more on Everything Is Black and White podcast. So we're now joined by Tom Leach of Hampshire Live and we've just been speaking off camera there and it's been a busy few days for Tom just like Newcastle very late in the transfer window uh, the one deal was completed and we'll get onto that in just a moment but there's only one place we can really start Tom and that is that defeat to Manchester United 9-0 I mean was it a case that that red card impacted on the game or, or was it a case that Southampton were just really really poor I think with every massive defeat like a 9-0 there are always 20-30 reasons why um, something like that comes about um, before the game I was scared um, I think we all were going into that game because injuries have been awful lately really really bad nine players out for Saturday um, it was eight for for Tuesday night so if anything it's, it's worse off we're still waiting to see if it will be nine uh, Jan Bednarak's red card has been appealed uh, we'll talk about that in a minute anyway I guess but um, yeah we, we were worried going into the game anyway that it could get nasty I don't think anyone expected as many as that um, I think people expected more of a fight from Southampton especially but yeah the, the red card is what set the tone for the night definitely um, Alex Jankovic is a player who has been begging for game time uh, he's been quite frustrated that he's not been getting the game time. So when he was given his shot, I think that the mood around Southampton was definitely, okay, then here we go. Let's show us what you've got. I don't think we expected that 80 seconds later he'd be walking back down the tunnel. Um, and that definitely set the tone for the night. They had to switch to two banks of four with Che Adams up front on his own, chasing everything all night. Um, and then Danny Ings went to right midfield, did his best there, but it's just not his position. And then he ended up losing his man for the first goal. And then once that first goal went in, it was 2-3 and it just wouldn't stop. I think at half-time, I mean, I mean, it had to be nine, didn't it? I think at half-time, the, the mood was, <laughs> let's hope it's not nine again. Um, and then when the ninth one went in, it added time, I think it felt it had to be nine. It, it, it never would have been eight. I mean, the, the nine-nil from, from Leicester in 2019 is still talked about every, every week. There's a Twitter account called Is the, Is the Nine Nil mentioned, and it tweets every single time Southampton on TV because the, the commentator or the co-commentator mention it. And I think now it's just everything just feels so flat among Southampton fans because it's not just one Nine Nil that's going to get mentioned now. There's two. It's interesting though because if that had been Steve Bruce on the end of that Nine Nil defeat, then the reaction would have been unbelievable. The pressure on the manager, you know, he's already under a lot of pressure. Some would argue quite rightly given, you know, one win in 13, the results have been shocking, the performances have been dire. But had he lost 9-0, it 
against any side. But, you know, there would have been a mass reaction on social media. The pressure would have been on to Steve Bruce even more than it is. Is the pressure on Ralph Ruzelhart and with that result? Uh, or does he get a bit of leeway with how the season's gone so far? I think he, he gets a lot of leeway. I don't think there's any pressure on him, any more pressure on him than there was the, the day before the game at all. Um, there's a huge in Ralph we trust hashtag going on Twitter at the moment. Um, he has won, I think, 24 in between the two 9-0s, the one in 2019 and the one on Tuesday night. Uh, 57 games, I think it's been. Um, he's won 24 of them. He's won an awful lot. The 2020 league table, I know it means absolutely nothing. Um, but Southampton are fifth. They're higher than Spurs, Leicester, Arsenal. Um, he's done brilliantly and he's done a brilliant job without being given the funds to sign big names. Um, I mean, I'm sure you could tell me Newcastle's transfer spend um, since 2019, but it's way higher than, than Southampton's definitely. I mean, Southampton have brought in Ibrahima Diallo for around £15 million, I think. Carl Walker-Peters was about the same price. Besides that, there's, there's, it's been free signings and, and youngsters coming up through the academy. Um, hit with injuries. I mean, we went into the game on Tuesday with three first-team defenders fit. Uh, we go into Saturday with two first-team defenders fit. Um, everyone knew that it was going to be a tough ass to get anything from United. I think the only criticism of Hassan Newell is he clearly, he clearly has a problem managing games with 10 men um, against informed teams. If you're going to pick a floor for your manager to have, I don't think that's a bad floor to have. It doesn't happen that often. Um, but he, 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 has, he has had criticism, especially I think on TalkSport this morning, there was a lot of criticism about him. Um, but the general consensus around Southampton is he's done such a good job in his time in charge. He's already bounced back from a 9-0. He will bounce back again. Um, the club will stick by him and he's already working wonders with the tools he's got. So I can see why you'd say that Steve Bruce would come under fire. But I think context is really important in that, that Hassan Hutton has done so well building up to this point, whereas Steve Bruce already has fans on his back. You mentioned there that Leicester defeat last season. How did Southampton react to that? And can you see any similarities going into to this game against Newcastle and then obviously the weeks ahead, but primarily you know the game on Saturday to how they will react to what is an, an embarrassing result against Manchester United? In terms of immediate reaction, I can't see there being that much of a reaction, to be honest. Um, there wasn't that much of a reaction last time. Uh, I think some of the results after the 9-0, I think the Everton game was worse, bizarrely. It felt, maybe not as bad, but it felt lower. It felt like things weren't bouncing back and that felt quite depressing. Um, there'll be individual reactions, 100%. James Ward-Prowse will pull them together and you know people in there like Ryan Bertrand and Jack Stevens will step up their game. Danny Ings will, in an 11-man team, he'll be able to have much more of an impact. So, There'll be, there'll be reactions like that. It'll be a more a long-term reaction, I think, at Southampton. But the picture is so different now to what it was in 2019. In 2019, there was doubts about the manager. The team weren't playing well in the build-up to that 9-0. Um, so the reaction was a lot more negative than now. I mean, Southampton are playing so well now. Um, only three weeks ago, they beat Liverpool. Um, so there are still so many positives. that This one feels more like an unexpected shock of a result as opposed to one that could be felt coming before. Um, 
I don't think anyone expects 9-0, of course. But as I say, before the game, there was with, with all the injury problems, it's been a nightmare for Southampton. I mean, half of their Staplewood training ground is closed at the minute because of coronavirus. I think that's something that's happening up and down the league, but it's hurt them especially because the cryotherapy technology they've got can't be used. The steam room can't be used. The pool they've got can't be used. So little kind of one week and two week injuries, hamstring injuries, for example, end up taking six weeks to get the player back. So people like Nathan Redmond, who picked up his injury early December, should have been back for the Christmas period. He is coming back now. He'll have to start on Saturday when he's probably not quite ready. Um, there is a boost in midfield because Takumi Minamino, we hope, is going to play after making his loan move from Liverpool. We'll hear from the manager whether he's fit and raring to go in a few hours' time. But um, yeah, there are positives. But in terms of immediate bounce back, I just don't think they've got the players to spark it. The midfield, the defence is going to be, if anything, weaker than it was on Tuesday. Um, Minamino is a little boost, but the personnel doesn't really change, which I think makes things quite difficult. Hmm. I'm smirking there at the, the mention of a swimming pool not being able to be used. I'm sure our listeners will point out that Newcastle don't even have a swimming pool. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, moving on from that, you've written an interesting piece uh, on Hamish Alive about how the blame doesn't lie with the manager, but more on the owner, so to speak, in terms of maybe not backing him, not backing the manager in the, in the transfer market. I think with Hassan Hill, the feeling with him at the minute is that we know he's so good and we know that he is a manager going places. He's been linked with Chelsea. Uh, there's a lot of talk about how he's going to be the man to follow Ole Gunnar Solskjaer potentially at Manchester United. That's how highly thought of he is. He's compared to Jurgen Klopp all the time. Um, I think uh, the, the feeling at the minute is that Southampton have got such a good manager at their club that it seems a waste not to back him. Um it's probably more so a, a knee-jerk frustration after January, I think, more than anything. The injuries have been there since before January. Um, there was Carl Walker-Peters' injury, which left only Jan Valery at right back. He then got sent out on loan on deadline day without a fullback coming in. Uh, Ryan Bertrand had a suspension earlier on in the month, and Jake Vokins is the standing left back. He stepped in. Don't think he did a bad job. He then got sent out on loan to Sunderland two days later. Um, so... There are no there are no no defenders at the club essentially, um, and that just doesn't look good when you have a transfer window that poor and then you lose nine nil um, the day after it, um, and then Hassan Hootel will sit in his press conference afterwards. Is he said to us so often this season say things like, "I wanted to change this, but I got no players on the bench. I wanted to fix this problem midway through the game, but I looked at the bench and it was just academy players." That never looks good on the club when they're job really is to supply him with the players to get the job done um, there are worries about him I'm sure his track record as a manager is brilliant he's been good at virtually every club he's ever been at um, he was at a club called Arlen in Germany um, the story about him leaving is that apparently the club were stepping into a period of austerity where they weren't going to buy any more players and try and save money and he left um, at Ingolstadt he took the club as far as he thought he could and then moved on to bigger things there's definitely fears that the pattern could be the same here. Um, let's hope not. Let's hope he stays for the long term and let's hope as well he gets some signings that he wants in the summer. That says, you know, they have had a decent season. I think I contacted you a few weeks ago for a piece I was doing on Steve Bruce and the use of a work in progress. And we had a chat about, you know, how Southampton have, have come on in the last year, uh, their formation, their setup, their approach to games. But over the last, 
five weeks, they have been on a horrible run of form. And of course, you'll probably point out that's maybe to do with the injuries that they've had as well. Uh, but they've lost the last four games. Uh, they've won one in their last five. And eventually, Newcastle have got someone below them in the form table, which is which is nice to see after all these weeks. <laughs> Newcastle have played a few more games than Southampton when you look at the league table, um, the form table, sorry. But given the result against Manchester United, given the form they're in, how do Southampton bounce back? Because you say that there's not likely to be immediate reaction, but does does there need to be in many ways? I mean, I mean, I know that there's a it's probably a fine line, but does there need to be a reaction? Do you think? I think there needs to be a reaction in terms of performance. Um, I think there's no doubt that Newcastle will have probably more firepower than Southampton on Saturday. They'll have more options on the bench, especially um, late in the game. Is somewhere where Southampton have struggled lately during this bad run of form. Um, they've scored goals in the second half in the cup games but not in the league um, that's stretched run stretches back into into 2020 um, so look I think there'll be a reaction individually as I said earlier but they just don't have the personnel to spark a reaction yet they need players to come back that's the only way this form's going to end they need Yannick Vestergaard to come back he's a huge loss a massive loss Yannick Vestergaard he has been like Van Dijk for Southampton so far this season he sits at the back, he keeps things out, he moves them forward, he's so good at moving them up the pitch, especially finding Carl Walker-Peters, who's another person who's injured at the minute. I think until these guys come back, we won't see Southampton back to their best. Um, and that's part of the frustration with Southampton fans at the minute. They don't feel they've got a squad as such. They've got a team of players and then younger players as support, which works, but when you've got your back against the wall, sometimes bringing those kids in is not the best thing to do. And I think that's frustrated Hassan Hüttel a bit lately. He's been having to bring in players like Jankovic, um, players like Caleb Watts. These are teenagers who are being put onto the biggest stage and then they're criticised when they make mistakes, which isn't what you want from the young players. No, it's a hard task, isn't it? When you are that young and being thrown straight in, especially when you are on such a horrible run of form. Newcastle have improved in recent games. They're showing a bit more intense. They seem to have a bit more of a... Uh, set up in which the forward players can get on the ball more and they can uh, do the counter-attacking approach a bit better. How do you think Southampton will handle that? Because in recent weeks, Newcastle have played much better and much differently to what Southampton would have seen uh, in their victory earlier in the season. Okay, that's quite interesting. That, so is it, did you expect more of a counter-attacking shape from Newcastle, did you say? Yeah, I think that, that's that's what they've been trying to do kind of all season, but it, it started to produce better results over the last few weeks in terms of performances. Obviously, they beat Everton mm-hmm. and they put on a brilliant counter-attack and display against Leeds. Yes, they lost, but there was a good 20 minutes of football where they did, uh, you know, they did hit Everton, uh, Leeds on the counter quite often and they were dominant in that game. Steve Bruce says there was signs of it against Villa. I'm not too sure about that. Um, and obviously against Crystal Palace, they started the game really well. There were one or two other examples in that game of where they could have scored. Ryan Fraser had a, a couple of chances and wasted them. Setting half, they took the foot off the gas and they were they were quite, uh, I don't know what the word is, they stagnated a little bit in the setting half. They had plenty of possession, 60%, which is, is a rarity when it comes to Newcastle, but they just couldn't do anything with it. More of the passes were going sideways. Shelby was trying to hit, you know, 40-yard wonder balls. In, in, a, in a 40 yard gust of wind, which is obviously always going to send the ball, you know, wayward. But there are signs of improvement. Um, 
And I guess going in against Southampton with all the injuries they've got, the suspensions, it's probably a game Newcastle should win. But I'm just wondering how Southampton will cope against a team that, you know, likes to sit back, absorb pressure and hit, then hit the opposite opposition on the counter. I think what's interesting is that it is a game Newcastle should probably win, but it's probably a game they should attack as well, not necessarily, you know, sit back and counter in any way. Um, Southampton are probably going to have, presuming Jan Bednarak's red card doesn't get overturned, I'm 50-50 over whether it will. I think it was probably the wrong decision to send him off, but at the same time, it was checked by VAR at the time. So, at the Premier League, kind of stick by their referees, I'd imagine so. Um, so, presuming that doesn't get overturned, it's going to be Kane Ramsey at right back, um, 20 years old, two Premier League appearances to his name. Um, Alan Chapche at centre-back, 19 years old, made his debut on Tuesday night for 15 minutes. Um, Jack Stevens, who struggled on Tuesday night and confidence might be too high. And Ryan Bertrand, who's Ryan Bertrand. Um, I mean, that's a defence to attack, surely, isn't it? Um, if you're Newcastle, especially with Callum Wilson in the form that he's in and having scored two goals, was it last time out? Uh, um, yeah, he scored two against uh, Everton, yeah, to get that, which was a, was a vital win. I'm just thinking in terms of, because Crystal Palace allowed Newcastle to have a lot of the ball and it just didn't suit Newcastle. They didn't really know what to do with it. What will Southampton's approach be? Will they want to be on the ball more than Newcastle or will they or will they themselves sit back and say, Newcastle, come on, come and attack us? I think they want to be on the ball more than normal, more than they normally are. The reason behind that is with Jankovic um, suspended, Romeo's still out injured, Ibrahim Diallo's still out injured. Um, it's probably going to be Stuart Armstrong playing defensive midfield. Haston Hill doesn't like to change his shape. He likes to keep things as they are week in, week out. Um, he likes to keep the system the same. And he, he's not a chance to work on under the system, really, because the games have become so thick and fast during this injury period. Um, I'd imagine he's going to sit Armstrong in defensive midfield, which would make you think that they would want to keep the ball, um, having quite a ball-playing guy in a defensive role. He's not going to want to be tasked with sitting back and staying resilient for 90 minutes. Um, they do keep a lot of the ball, to be fair, Southampton. Um if you listen, it's, it's a great during lockdown sometimes. It's awful with the fans not there, but you get to hear Hassan Hill shouting and shouting. Um, he's always shouting, keep the ball, keep the ball, move it, move it, exhaust and exhaust and He wants to have the opposition team moving all over the pitch, like any pressing team really does when they get the ball. And I think they'll want more of the ball, I'd imagine, against Newcastle, just for that reason that Armstrong was going to be in defensive midfield and attacking midfielder in defensive midfield. You don't want him being the last line of defence before the defence, really. Um you definitely want to keep the ball. So I'd imagine they will play like that. Um, but they still enjoy inviting a press and breaking out of it, which they'll probably be better at with Armstrong there. Um, and they're still going to look to press Newcastle. Although we've moaned so much about injuries, I mean, Danny Ings and Chad Adams are still going to be there. Uh, Redmond, Jennepo, Armstrong, Ward Prowse are still going to be there. It's just the defence and the defensive midfield that's hurt. Um, going forward in terms of the forward press is still going to be a strong, I think. So I suppose the next question of what Southampton's weakness would be on Saturday is probably going to be that defence, the inexperience there. Um, but I suppose Southampton fans will be hoping that those players who come in and replace what would be the first team will will step up and you know try and remove that defeat against Manchester United from, from memory. I think that's going to be the biggest challenge, potentially. Uh, people like Alan Chapshay and Kane Ramsey, who... 
I'm sure they're resilient characters. I've never spoken to them. Um, they've never really been in the first team picture. They've never really been up for interviews. Um, it's whether they are still strong after Tuesday. Um, the club would have been behind them. The club would be supporting them. Um, but that couldn't have been a nice introduction to the Premier League. It was an introduction for Chapche, but for Ramsey, he's played before, but it was 2018 when he last played in the Premier League. Uh, he's been on loan spells since then. Um, I mean, that couldn't have been a nice game to step back into. Um, does nothing for the confidence. And as I say, that offers straight house and He doesn't want to bring in kids for those games. I mean, that's disastrous for their development, isn't it, really? It's, it's probably good to learn against players of that quality, but when they're scoring nine against yeah, you, how much can you really learn? Um, I think that'd be an important thing. I think the weakness definitely is the defence. Um, one bonus for Southampton is even though they conceded nine on Tuesday, they've got a brilliant goalkeeper behind the defence. Um, hopefully he doesn't let as many bust in this time. Fingers crossed, well, from your point of view anyway. Well, like we've mentioned earlier on the show, they're not in the best form themselves. One win in 13 in all competitions. Great performance against Everton, but not good enough against Crystal Palace. And they really do struggle against sides in the bottom half. Uh, they've just won 11 points out of their 22 uh, against teams in, in the bottom half, where the likes of Crystal Palace have won something mm-hmm. like 76%. So that is this key in you know getting away from the relegation zone. Will Southampton look at Newcastle and see this team who who are who are on a bad run for themselves, who have just won one, like we see in 13 games, and think, you know, despite all the injuries, despite the suspensions, and despite what happened on Tuesday night, we can we can go we can go here and get something. It's definitely not as tough a challenge as Tuesday. I think I'm sure I'm not upsetting you to admit that. Um, I think one challenge is that because the games are coming so thick and fast at the minute. Parson Hill loves to pour through the data and look at the opposition. I don't know if he'd have had a chance to really do that. Um, there's so much for them to pick apart from, from Tuesday night that I'd imagine most of their video work and training would have been on what went wrong on Tuesday. Um, whether there's not a lot they can learn from it because it was 10 men. Um, but then again, I'm sure with the problems that he, he clearly has playing with 10 men, that's something that they'll probably want to work on at some point. Um it's interesting. What, what do you see as Newcastle's biggest weakness for Southampton, knowing that Southampton are going to kind of press and try and exhaust them? When they've got more of the ball, they're not very good. But also, if the opposition manage to mark the, the team out, and we don't know who the, we don't know Vance Maxim's going to start, but you know he, he's come off the bench in recent games and, and he has made an impact. But it's easy, really, for an opposition team to, to target like Savannah at Maxman or say John Joe Shelby, who's supposedly this creative spark. And if you mark, you know, the key man out of the game, then Newcastle do struggle, you know, because Callum Wilson, for all he's good in front of goal, he's only as good as the service. And that's been the issue this season that players haven't been providing that service. And I think that's the main issue is that they've got a lack of creativity, really. If Alan St. Maxman starts, brings another dynamic, but you know, it, it it could be quite easy for Southampton to target him, give him a bit of a kick. It's something he relishes, but at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, we've seen it. Um, we've seen the likes of Rodriguez at Everton be marked out of games and suddenly Everton have a worse side. And it'll be interesting to see how Southampton do target the likes of St. Max every starts or the other supposedly creative players. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you say that they're lacking in creativity at the minute whether it's confidence they need I think they'll probably see Southampton as a good chance to get that confidence now playing against what is 50% going to be an under-23s defence 
Um, if they want to get some confidence in and get some goals in, I think they'll probably target this as a good opportunity to do it. Um, I don't know who your games are after this, whether they're quite tough run of fixtures, but I mean, yeah, as I say, I think this would be quite a good game for them to try and get some confidence. From my point of view, obviously, I hope Southampton don't leak goals, but I don't know. It just seems after Tuesday night, with a response needed, it's still feels like the mood's kind of the same going into this one. I think there's still quite a lot of worry about it. We'll get back to the show in just a moment. Just a quick reminder, though, to please like and subscribe to the podcast. For those listening on Apple Podcasts, it really does impact just how far the show can go. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, just hit the everything is black and white. Go to the channel where all our episodes can be found and scroll right down to the bottom. And there you can leave a star rating as well as a review. Just please be honest, but please do leave uh, a review. It really does help us out. And if you want to find more content, we're over on Instagram at Chronicle NUFC and over on YouTube at the everything is black and white podcast. Please subscribe there as well. We'll now get back to Tom and the preview of Newcastle versus Southampton. It's interesting because, I mean, South, uh, Sheffield United hadn't won a game all season and I, I think many Newcastle United fans kind of had a horrible feeling Sheffield United, you know, would get the win and they did do. And there is this feeling that when a team are on a bad run of form, you just want to play Newcastle United because they'll give you three points or you'll get a win. And it sounds sounds utterly daft, but there are several examples going back years and years where teams have come here and they've been on a winless run of X amount of games and turned up and played like, you know, they were Barcelona. So yeah, Southampton fans, I don't think should be too uh, fearful of Newcastle, but I think anything but a Newcastle United victory, given the, the problems Southampton have got, you know, it, it would be disappointing from a Newcastle United point of view. We'll go back just briefly to that 9-0 against Manchester United. How much of an impact in terms of kind of haunting Southampton do you think that will have on Saturday? On Saturday, I'm not too sure. I think if they concede an early goal, the fear might start to strike, especially for people like Jack Che and Kane Ramsey if they both play. Um, Passing people did say to us on Tuesday night that as the goals started to flow, he did think about Leicester. So if the scars still last that long, um, they'll still be there from Tuesday for Saturday. Um, it's just for the younger players, I think. I, I, I'd like to think that, like said, James Ward-Prowse and Danny Ings and Ryan Bertrand are experienced enough to put this behind them and they'll need to do it for the younger players, I think. They'll need to be the ones to step up now and, and try and right this wrong. Um, I don't think we can expect too much from the younger players. And that's one of, been one of the problems through this run of form. We can't expect too much from the younger players, but it's the younger players that are having to step up in, into situations where really they shouldn't they shouldn't have to. I think I said in that um, piece I wrote about Ralph Arsenal in the 9-0 yesterday, you know, Jankovic was on the pitch for 77 seconds, but really it was 77 seconds too many at this stage of his development. He needs more time, but because of the injuries, he's being pushed in. Um, yeah, I, like I say, I, I expect an individual reaction, but I'm expecting 3-0 Southampton. Definitely not. One, the only thing I think that's keeping Southampton fans hopeful is that Hassan Hill loves the story. He loves these bounce backs. He loves when you don't expect him to do something or get a win, he gets a win. Um, he likes talking up. Like before the Liverpool game, there was so much talk of, oh, he's never being clocked before and he's the Alpine clock. He hates that phrase, but everyone was saying it. And 
he got the win. And I think that's the thing that are keeping Southampton fans hopeful that he loves that kind of story and he loves when you don't think he's going to cause an upset and he does. Not that it would be an upset as such, but I'm sure you see where I'm coming from. No, I do. I think, you know, just a, what, a few months ago, everyone was looking at Southampton as potential European contenders that had a great start to the season, really good to watch. Will that play a part? I mean, obviously, we keep talking about this 9-0, but do you think how big of a part will the start of the season have on, you know, Ralph was not trying to turn turn the form around because at the moment, Southampton are dropping like a rock. Yeah, I think there's, it's it's the safety net, isn't it? Those 29 points they've got already. Um, it's, if they were on 13, 14, 15 points by this point, the confidence would be awful uh, after that 9-0. Um, but as I say, the, the run before that 9-0, the immediate run wasn't great, but the run before that was brilliant. Um, they lost the first two games of the season. Uh, they had the same... To be honest, it's, it's injuries have been the story of the season because the two games that they lost at the start of the season against Tottenham and Palace, um, either side of a defeat to Brentford in the Cup, injuries were awful. All the lads came back from international break. Half of them were carrying knocks. Um, I think they had, because of the weird way the season started, I think they had two days of training, two days of pre-season training with the first-team squad all there which is no preparation really for, for the Premier League season to start. They lost the first two games. They went out of the Carabao Cup, which gave them a full week off. I think they had 10 days off. So they did a 10-day pre-season. Um, I think they were beaten in six, maybe lost one out of 16, 17 games or something like that. Um, the run before that was great. And the, the points they've already got on the board and that mini European run where they were top of the league for a week or so um, gives them that safety net. So the confidence isn't too low, isn't as low as it should be after a 9-0 because they know they're not going to go down this season. They need about, what do they need, 11 points to, to guarantee that they're stable. Um, I think top half still is the aim. I saw someone on Twitter tip them for top half still. I mean, two days after getting beat 9-0. Um, confidence should still be there. Um, it's just if the injured players come back. And if the injured players come back, I think they will start playing as well as they were before and then they'll end the season on the same run they started it. Which players from the Southampton side would you recommend your cast United fans keep an eye out for? I think I'd have loved to have said Ibrahima Diallo because Ibrahima Diallo is so good. He's, he's really impressed me this season. Um, he arrived from France. No one knew anything about him. Um, he stepped in and he's been, he's been our Angolo Kante, honestly. Uh, and, and he's only been filling in for Ori Romeo. He's not even played that often. Um, but he's been so good in those games. He got better and better with every minute he was on the pitch too. He's that injured. Um, so it won't be him. Vestergaard, probably next best player. Um, he's that injured. Chair Adams had a good game on Tuesday, which sounds ridiculous to say when they lost 9-0, but he chased everything. He ran really hard. Um, I'd probably say Che Adams, um, as a player, he doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. And then just let's the other young lads get on. Um, See if it is a young player that comes in in midfield instead of Stuart Armstrong. See how Armstrong gets on at defensive midfield. Kane Ramsey, meant to have a bright future ahead of him. He's still really young. Alan Chapche, meant to have a bright future ahead of him. still really young. Um, yeah, in terms of individuals, there's no point me telling you all about Danny Ings because you know everything about him. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a few people to watch more so because people don't know how good they are than, than that they're going to blow the world away. Hmm. And is there anyone from Newcastle that you're fearing that you think could get the better of Southampton? I'm a Coventry City fan and I covered Coventry City for three or four years in different ways before I started covering Southampton. 
including Callum Wilson um, being there. Very good. I remember his debut. Uh, he came on with about 10 minutes to go. He'd been out with ACL injuries for years. He had to wait ages for his debut. I think he made a debut, his debut in the cup when he was about 17 or 18. And then he was out for about two and a half years with different injuries. Uh, and then he came off the bench. I think he was against, I want to say Dagon, but it might have been Crystal Palace. And that's two very different teams. So I don't know how I got those two mixed up. But he came off the bench with about 10 minutes to go. Cough with 3-0 down. Uh, picked up the ball on the halfway lines. I think he nutmegged someone, ran past another and then put it in the bottom corner with his first touch of the ball and everyone kind of sat back and thought, well, why has this kid not been on the pitch all season? Um, season after he scored 30 goals, I think, or 25 goals uh, and then left for Bournemouth. Um, so my memories of him are still a kid that doesn't know how to stop scoring. So, yeah, I've not been to St. James's Park since... You might be able to tell me what year it was. Andy Carroll was young, uh, probably the most talked about guy on the pitch. I think I've got thumped about 6-1. Um, well, would have been championship. I think maybe 2010, is that the year that... Yeah, 2009-2010 when Newcastle uh, stormed the championship under Chris Hutton. So that's a fair fair while ago. Yeah, and I mean, that wasn't a great cough start anyway. Um, but yeah, Andy Carroll absolutely ripped us apart. Um, but yeah, Callum Wilson, I'm probably looking forward to most. I mean, Callum Wilson's just brilliant. He's just got such a good work ethic. Uh, and, and he's got this, and I mentioned this in a previous podcast, so our listeners will know what I'm about to say, but he's got this needle about him. He's got this nasty streak in him, which I think if you were if you're an opposition supporter, you'll just think he is a horrible person like to, to have a, uh, to play against because he's just always, you know, making sure his presence is felt and, uh, you know, he likes to talk a little bit as well to the opposition. I think it's for that, that him being your striker, it, it's it's a real asset to have in the side. And I do, uh, I've enjoyed watching him a lot more closely than obviously, I, you know, I did before he was at Bournemouth or Coventry. Um, I think we, we, we speak sometimes at Southampton about Che Adams and how, you know, a few injuries to strikers at England and Gareth Southgate could start looking down the list and thinking, you know, Che Adams has scored a few the last few weeks or... He's not had a bad season. He, I mean, he went like 20-something games without scoring a goal for Southampton. Then he scored from the halfway line against Man City and then he scored nine in 15 games or something. He just just switched on for him. But I think Callum Wilson's one of the players who is probably ahead of him in that back in order, I think. Hmm. Well, fingers crossed. I mean, both of them get, get an opportunity, but I can't see that, see that happening, unfortunately. <laughs> um, just before I get your score prediction, just talk me briefly through this injury list. If my memory serves me right, this is not the first time we've had to do this. I don't think it was the last year. It might have been the game before, but I'm pretty sure you had a list in front of you of all the injuries Southampton had, and it was quite a list. Mm. I assume this one is probably the same length, if not a bit longer. Just talk us through the key players who are definitely going to be missing. That was earlier this season before the 2-0 yeah. Southampton win. I think the list was six at that point. It's nine injuries now uh, with a suspension. Uh, as I say, we're expecting to hear today, I keep checking over to my phone every time it lights up, so I'm expecting to hear today whether Bednarak has been cleared to play. Um, he obviously had a red card on Tuesday night and is suspended. Um, it's been appealed, so we're waiting to hear about that. Injuries, uh, we've got Kyle Walker-Peters uh, in defence missing. We've got Mohamed Salisu, hasn't, still hasn't proved his fitness and not played a game yet this season. Um, Yannick Vestergaard is out injured. Um Ibrahim Diallo's out injured. 
Uh, Ori Romeo's out injured. Theo Walcott's out injured. Um, so they're the first team. So that's uh, that's six of the first team bulk. But then the guys that would normally come in for them, we've had Vokins and, y- and Jan Valerie both leave on loan. Um, but injuries, well, Smallbone normally steps into Walcott's hole. He's out. Uh, Nathan Teller normally steps into midfield too. He's out. Uh, Michael Obafemi is with Shane Long leaving. Michael Obafemi is really the third choice striker behind Ings and Adams. He's out. Uh, I think that's nine. There might be another one hidden in there somewhere. Um, but it, tell, it paints the picture anyway, just how many players are missing, really. Hmm. Look at that. You did that even without a list in front of you. I know. I'd be like, you've probably been repeating that over mm-hmm. and over in your head the past couple of days and your match reports and what have you. So I think Newcastle. See, my sensible head says Newcastle will win this game, but being a Newcastle United fan, there is always that underlying fear that they will just get beat when the when the odds are in their favour. So it's, it's a difficult one to predict. I'm, I want to say a win, but I'm going to go a one-one draw. How do you see it going? <laughs> it's tough. It's a tough. After Tuesday, it's a tough one to predict, and I don't want to be too negative. I reckon. If Newcastle score early, I think they go on and win it 3-1 or something along those lines. Um, I think Southampton will have enough going forward to cause some problems. It's just defensively whether they can keep it together. Um, good day. I'd take, take a 1-1, I think. But I think on a bad day, it could be 3-1 to, to Newcastle. You see that score early. They did score after 70 seconds against Crystal Palace and then ended up throwing it away. Defensively, the two goals that they conceded were, were pretty... Poor. It's interesting though, and this be the final word. A lot of people after Brighton's win against Liverpool saying, you know, this is a, is a must win. And there's still a, a bit of a gap between, the, you know, Fulham and Newcastle. And it's interesting to, to, to see people on Twitter uh, and even my boss said, you know, Saturday is a huge game. And it'll be interesting to see how Steve Bruce handles that pressure against, because it's not just a kind of a, huge win in terms of for Newcastle and uh, three points would get them away from the relegation zone. You're playing a side who has just been beat 9-0, whose confidence is rock bottom. So you're actually expected to beat them given the result on Tuesday. And that adds another element to the game as well. Yeah, I think Southampton are wounded still. Um, and it wouldn't look good, let me put it like that, on Newcastle, I think, if they didn't get a win. Are you talking wounded, wounded as in still feeling sorry for themselves or a wounded animal ready to pounce back? I think wounded, they're all injured. Wounded, still feeling sorry for themselves. Um, wounded, not yet had the chance to bounce back and they've had, they're going to have to do it, what, three days, four days after. Um, probably with two training sessions, probably one video session, one day on the pitch. Long journey up, which I'm sure plays a part. We don't talk about it that often, but I'm sure it plays a part. Um, yeah, I think... It, it, it more so wouldn't look good on Newcastle, I think, if Southampton were to turn up and beat them 2-0 again. Um, I think Newcastle need to get something from this game, I'd imagine. Um, and win is, is surely... I'm not sure what the odds are, but I'm surely Newcastle are a clear favourites to win this. You would think so. And you, you mentioned they're the long journey and 90% chance of snow as well on Saturday. And it is already, already fitly cold without the snow. So... Get your thermals ready for uh, your trek up at St. James's Park, Tom. We do appreciate you joining us on the Everything is Black and White podcast. Safe trip up to Tyneside and hopefully from a Newcastle point of view, it's not a pleasurable afternoon for you. But uh, thank you for joining us. Brilliant. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Cheers. 
So just a quick note, we're now over on YouTube at the Everything Is Black and White podcast. And if you're liking what you're hearing, why not come and see what we're producing? We'd really like you to hit subscribe. We're also over on Instagram at Chronicle NUFC and in the usual place on Twitter and Facebook. We'd really like the likes, the reviews and the subscriptions because without your continued support, we can't get very far. So thank you very much for listening.